Vanity of vanities, says the teacher. Vanity of vanities. All is vanity. I, the teacher, when king over Israel and Jerusalem, applied my mind to seek and to search out by wisdom all that is done under heaven. It is an unhappy business that God has given to human beings to be busy with. I saw all the deeds that are done under the sun, and see all is vanity and a chasing after wind. I hated all my toil in which I toiled under the sun, seeing that I must leave it to those who come after me, and who knows whether they will be wise or foolish. Yet they will be master of all, for which I toiled and used my wisdom under the sun. This also is vanity. So I turned and gave my heart up to despair concerning all the toil of my labors under the sun, because sometimes one who has toiled with wisdom and knowledge and skill must leave all to be enjoyed by another who did not toil for it. This also is vanity and a great evil. What do mortals get from all the toil and strain with which they toil under the sun? For all their days are full of pain and their work is a vexation. Even at night their minds do not rest. This also is vanity. I hope when I ask this question, someone else raises their hand. But anyone in here like the show Battlestar Galactica? Okay, good, good. Not, not the, but, but not the 70s one, the one that came out in the 2000s? No? Yes? Okay. Uh, it's a very good show. And, and there's a very popular line uh, throughout the 2000s. Well, I haven't seen the 70s one. Uh, but there's a very popular line that came out time and time again through the 2000s one. All of this has happened before, and all of this will happen again. Now, Battlestar Galactica, the show itself is set in a future where humanity was almost wiped out by a robot force it created called Cylons. There are 40,000 human beings left, and they all live on ships in space. It's akin to being lost at sea with nowhere to go to. And they're looking for a habitable planet while also fighting the Cylons. But the show itself is much deeper than just standard science fiction. It functions as a thought exercise on war, genocide, torture, metaphysics, and religion. And what I liked about it most is that despite the high concepts it grappled with, it never lost sight of the story that it meant to tell. The story of humanity and how we are always so perilously close to destroying each other. Thus the phrase, all of this has happened before and all of this will happen again, can really, it, it stands out. It means something to us. Can we really be surprised? I mean, we've heard, I've heard this for weeks now, this is the most contentious election of our times. And I would argue that this isn't even the most contentious election of our decade. Heck, ever since the second presidential election, when John Adams accused Thomas Jefferson of sleeping with his slaves, accurately, I might add, political mudslinging has been a thing. This is nothing new. And while nativism is a deep sin, this is nothing new in America. Right now, we hate brown-skinned folk of Arab and Central American descent, but once upon a time, it was the Irish, it was the Italians, the Poles, etc. This is nothing new. Our prejudice is not unique. It just morphs from generation to generation. All of this has happened before, 
and all of it will happen again. Because I can assure you, we will sometime, once again, find someone else to hate. And so likewise with the pursuits in our life. Everyone wants true happiness, but let me ask, have any of you ever felt truly happy? Have any of you ever said, yep, I've accomplished everything and it feels great and it's good and my life is complete and it means something and I don't have to worry about anything else? Even if you've gotten to that mountain, there's always a sense of emptiness, like the Pei Li song, is that all, is there all, is all, excuse me, is that all there is? Because at the end of a challenge, all we do is pursue the next challenge and then the next until we seek not to pursue, but to avoid the grave. When I was a kid, all I wanted was to be an adult. But when I became an adult, I realized that I had to put aside childish things, and I wasn't ready to do that. And now, I bemoan the loss of my freedom due to parental responsibilities, only I have no doubt, someday, when Kewen is out of the house for good, I will desperately miss this time now. A plateau of true happiness is a unicorn. Not only does it not exist, but we exhaust ourselves and we hurt others in its pursuit. All of this has happened before, and all of this will happen again. Now, rather than continue to repeat that famous one line, I can use one word that is very popular in today's text. Vanity. Now, I'm not talking about the primary definition regarding pride and self-centeredness, but the secondary definition, the quality of being worthless and futile. It would not be unfair to say that the writer of Ecclesiastes is not impressed with you or with me or with human nature. They write off everything as vanity, the glory of our days, the toil of our labors, etc. I feel like verses 21 and 22 perfectly encapsulate our times. What do mortals get from all the toil and strain with which they toil under the sun? For all their days are full of pain, and their work is a vexation. Even at night, their minds do not rest. This also is vanity. And interestingly enough, the writer takes it one step further when they talk about trying to understand what wisdom from God actually is. They write that they wanted to learn everything they possibly could because they felt that it was a cause worth the toil. But instead, they attribute this to a chasing of the wind. According to them, it is an unhappy business that God has given us human beings to be busy with. God is far vaster than we could possibly comprehend. To attempt to know everything about God and about wisdom is in itself vanity. So our pursuits are circular and they are in vain. All this has happened before and it will happen again. What do we do? Do we give up? Do we say that we just want to live lives of unrepentant hedonism until death for life means nothing? No. And that's what makes Ecclesiastes a great book. The writer is not ruminating on the awfulness of life. Instead, they are showing that despite the cycle of despair and vanity, life and death, God's love shines for us in the joy we have for others and for God. The despair is only that we, we, 
despair is only what we read in this text, which is supposed to tee off the preacher to talk about the meaningless of life. I won't do that because the writer does not do that. The writer does strip life bare. The writer does find nothing. But the writer realizes that instead of seeking new pursuits, we should be still and we should live in the love of God. And how do we see that love? We already know the answers to this. In the companionship we feel with significant others, with family, and with friends. In the love we have for our neighbor, in the care and concern for our stranger, in the incredible burden that is lifted when God proclaims directly to you that your sins are forgiven, and in the incredible burden that is lifted when you do the same for someone else. This is what remains. When we've lost our jobs, our livelihoods, our country, our history, any sort of human-defined dignity, we are left with God's grace, and we are left with God's love. And if you want to break the monotonous cycle that is vanity, if you want to say that all this has happened before, but none of it has to happen again, then look to Christ for your example. To pursue selfish ambition is natural to humans. We've done it since the Garden of Eden. But to put aside your selfishness for God or for someone else is not only godly, it is unnatural. It runs contrary to the expectation of human behavior. It's what gives the cross its power. The power of life over death comes from the selfless act of the Son of God. To love to see the joy amidst the despair, to embrace, to forgive. These are not just good acts, these are revolutionary acts. You should try it more often, especially in this election season. All of this may have happened before, but it does not have to happen again. Whatever the issues are with our human nature, we are the baptized, beloved children of God. We, the church, act as God's hand in the world. Do not despair in your meaningless pursuits. But seek first the kingdom of God by sharing faith, hope, and God's love with everyone. The world desperately needs it. Amen.